generally speaking, females will be saying, I need more emotional connection from you. And men will be saying, I need more physical. Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) That's not how I saw that going at all. Hey, lovebirds. Today, whole conversation on needs, the importance of them, how to identify what they are, how to come up with the language to talk about them, and how to make it easy for your partner to succeed in meeting your needs. Liz Earnshaw also goes by Liz Listens on Instagram, and I talk about needs. And we come up with a variety of different ways to talk about those needs. And also this idea that your partner cannot meet all your needs, won't ever be able to. And that's okay because your partner is human and has shortcomings and your relationship isn't perfect and never will be. And that's okay. We talk about what happens when your needs for whatever conflict with your partners and what to do about that. We also talk about the three options that you have when your partner is unwilling to meet one of your core needs. This is a very important conversation. I'm super, super grateful to Liz for joining me. Also, this is a great sneak peek of some of the stuff that we're going to explore in depth in the Healthy Communication Workshop Tools for All Relationships, which starts on April 9th, this Thursday. And I'm extremely excited about the workshop. We will learn how you can speak up for yourself without pushing people away. We will learn how to say no with love and how to set boundaries and boundary consequences with love and how to ask for pretty much anything, including any of your needs. And also what happens when somebody says no. Go to thelovedrive.com forward slash healthy communication to sign up. Or if you have any questions, send me an email, sean at thelovedrive.com. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. I'm ready. Okay. Liz? Yes. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Liz Earnshaw, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman therapist. And I work as a couples therapist in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today, we're going to talk about something that I've been talking a lot about. I actually just finished doing uh, my first live event called How to Create the Love Life of Your Dreams. And the whole event, I mean, it was only an hour and a half, but was on how to get your needs met. Mm. That was the the whole thing. You know, people showed up there hoping that they were going to walk away with, you know, the love life of their dreams. And the idea was that, yeah, you can build that as long as you can get your needs met. 
Yeah. And it sounds so simple and it's so hard to do, right? So simple. It's like, oh, it's easy, but very difficult. Right. We all know that we need to figure out ways to get our needs met, but a lot of us don't know how to actually do that in many different ways. So what's the first step? I I know what my first step is. I'm curious what your first step is to getting your needs met. A simple first step is to recognize how often you're talking about what you don't want in your life. Because a lot of times when we are trying to get our needs met, we express it through saying the things that we don't want. And so what we call that is expressing it in negative terms. So we might say, I don't want you to come home late anymore, or I don't want a relationship that's emotionally distant. And Instead, it's really important to sit down and figure out how can I flip that into what I do want? Because unless you know what you want or what you need, it's really, really hard to ask anybody to give it to you. So a really easy hack for that is to notice as you're going through life how often you're saying, I don't want this anymore. I don't like when that happens. You know, I don't. And to switch it into, well, if I, if that's not happening anymore, then what would be happening? You know, what would I be getting? And changing it into what we call the positive need, which is I want X or I need X. So for instance, if you use that example of I don't want an emotionally distant partner, you know, what you do want is I want emotional connection, right? So the very first step is that you have to figure out what you actually do want and what you actually do need. This feels super obvious, and I don't think that it is. Yeah, it's not. And it's really interesting because sometimes when I'm talking about that with clients, um, They'll say, oh, yeah, I know what I want. And they'll immediately tell me again what they don't want. Mm. And so our minds are really trained to talk that way. And it can sometimes be quite the exercise to figure out how to turn it into that positive need and how to be really clear about what it would mean to get the things that you that you want or that you need in your relationships or for yourself. Step one identify the need. And mm-hmm. one of the challenges that comes up in my work is is that folks, you know, they say I don't really know what I want or what I need. And the suggestion that you just made is like, okay, well identify what you don't want and then flip that. And it seems pretty basic, right? Like if I don't want you to come home late, that means that I do want you to come home early. Exactly. It's that easy. It's that easy. And yet, and yet it, people really struggle with this. Really struggle with it. And it, it, is, it is like building a muscle to be able to think in that way. And so, you know, and you might be able to say, well, I need this person to come home early. But then communicating that to them, it might still come out as, I don't want you to be late anymore. Before we jump into communication, I'm curious... You know, you said, I need this person to come home early, mm. right? And I'm, yeah. I'm curious, like, what is that need? Why is that even a need? Exactly. So the second step, right, is being able to get even beneath 
what you're saying, right? So I need emotional connection. I need you to get home early. Well, why? What will that do for you, right? And so you want to be able to answer that as well. And what would what do you think, Sean? Like, what would it do for someone if the person is coming home early? We get to spend more quality time together. Yeah. And why do you need that? Because I love you and I, and I think you're great and I love spending time with you. It makes me feel special when we spend time together. Yeah. And probably you think it's pretty good for your relationship to spend time together too. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's good for the relationship and it's also just fun because you're fun. it's fun to be with you. Yeah. So that is help that gets beneath to that real need. And those are easier for people to hear. Yeah. Instead of, I need you to come home earlier. And one of the things that I counsel people is to, instead of saying, I need you to, I would love it if. Mm, I love that. I'd love it if you came home earlier because, right? Step one is, I, you know, I'd love it if you came home earlier. And then the step two is, what would it bring me? Because I want to feel more close to you and I love spending time with you. Yeah, I love that. And I think that it really, it starts that interaction out as being about connection, right? It's something you love. It's something that would feel good instead of you are making me feel bad because yeah. you're coming home so late. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really important. And another way that... um you know, I suggest that people do it, is to talk about yourself first, the impact on you, you know, being able to say, hey, can we chat, you know, when, and I'm a mom, so the coming home on time thing is, it really resonates with me, right? Because I do need my partner to mostly get home on time. But the reason I need that is because if not, I feel super overwhelmed. Yeah. And sometimes being able to say, babe, can we sit down and talk? I've been feeling super overwhelmed. I really need us to figure out a way that, you know, you're getting home by five o'clock. That can be heard a lot better than I need you to get home on time. I'd like for us to figure out a way where you get home at five o'clock. Yeah. I want us to come up with some sort of agreement that's good for both of us. Yeah, it's collaborative. Mm -hmm. This is that whole putting the problem in front of us, not between us. Right. We're sitting at the same side of the table. The problem is in front of us. How are we going to solve this? You know, for me, you coming home early means that I'm less overwhelmed and that I get some help with the kids and that I can be more present for you because I'm not like running around still taking care of the kids. Exactly. And then, you know, this can be a beautiful entry into a conversation where perhaps you also explore what your partner needs. Right. You know, they're coming home late because they need what? You know, is, do they, do they need another hour to get home because they're leaving during the worst traffic period of the day? Do they need support leaving the house earlier so that they can get their work done and leave the office earlier? So it also is an invitation or it is really important that it becomes an invitation for the other person to talk about their needs too. Mm. You know, you don't want a relationship where one person's needs are being met and the other person's needs are being ignored. Yeah, maybe maybe the other person needs to go exercise for an hour before they get home. Mm -hmm. So that they can unwind or like blow off steam. Right. Being able to talk about those needs that both people have 
again, it makes it more about us looking at the problem and how can we be creative about getting these needs met for both people so that no one has to really suffer because you don't want a relationship where one person is suffering so that the other person gets their needs met. Some people compromise too much because they're scared that if they don't, they're going to lose their partner. They're afraid that they'll lose their partner or they're afraid that it will start conflict that they can't solve. You know, that perhaps they will not lose their partner, but that they will get into a big fight. And so it's much easier just to compromise. And I think a lot of people end up giving in to things that aren't really good for them as well when they aren't able to clearly articulate those needs. So going back to that first step, you know, you might know that something's not right, that there is something more you need there. There's something you don't want. But if you're not really working on that first step where you can be clear about what you need, why it's important to you, then it makes it a lot easier to just say okay to the other person's needs and to forget about your own. Right. That makes a lot of sense. If I'm not clear on what I want or need, then I might be extra willing to adjust to somebody else's because I don't really know what I want. Mm-hmm. And if they know what they want, then and I can give it to them even though it might cause a little bit of friction or, or not be exactly what I want. I'm still likely to do it because at least they know what they want. And so I can adjust myself to that. Absolutely. And, you know, if they're being clear about what they want, they're making it very easy for you to be successful for them. But if you are being like very coded in the way that you're talking about your own needs, it becomes very challenging for your partner to become successful with you. One of these concepts that I'm working on recently is make your needs easy to meet. Mm. Yes, I love that. As in like, <laughs> and also, I mean, I, I I said, dumb them down. Dumb your needs down. Not Don't make your needs less important than they are, but make them easy to understand and easy to meet. As in saying, I need more attention from you. Well, shit, I don't really know how to answer that. But if you say, I would like to spend two hours each week where we connect and talk about what's going on in our lives with no telephone and no TV. Yeah. Now I know what you're getting, like what, what you're wanting. And I could probably say yes to that a lot easier because it's very clear. It's not vague. I love that you call it dumbing down the need. I think that makes it understandable. You know, like what could I do to make this so simplistic that this other person knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, And I call it, you know, making it easy for the other person to be successful for you. But I really like calling it dumbing it down. (laughs) I just want to simplify it as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. And the more, and a lot of times, and I don't know if this is your experience, um, people will say, but I shouldn't have to do that. Do you hear that ever? Shouldn't have to do what? Dumb it down. They should know. Yeah, they well, know what I need. They don't. They don't. They don't know. They're not mind readers. I mean, yeah, of course you develop this language in your relationship where sometimes your partner can kind of intuit into what you need. And they they can guess a little bit, especially if you've been together for a long time. But ultimately, they don't know what's going on inside you. It's your responsibility to let the other person know what you need. It really is. I mean, 
you can know that you should t- you know you could take the trash out every Tuesday night because that's it we you've had the conversation before it means a lot to the other person when you take the trash out so you kind of know okay they they like it when I take the trash out and that's sort of simplistic and you know it because it's already been established but people's needs change all the time all the time and the other the point you just made about the trash the more simplistic you can um, talk about your needs, the more that you notice when people aren't meeting them and the more you can hold them accountable for it. So I like this idea of, well, there, when you are very clear, when it is, hey, look, it's, it's our responsibilities to do these tasks in the house. And we talked about this and I was, cl- you know, we were kind of both clear that the way we would be successful is if you kind of owned the trash on Tuesday nights and I owned the dishes and I'm noticing you're not doing that. Mm. Like what's going on here? It opens up a conversation to really be able to talk about it when these agreements aren't being met. But when we're not being clear, it makes it really hard to follow up Mm. because the other person can then say, well, you told me that you wanted more emotional connection and I've been bringing you home a cupcake every single night. I thought that would make you feel loved. And you're saying, no, like cupcakes every single night don't make me feel loved. That's not emotional connection to me. But because you weren't very clear that what you needed for emotional connection was 20 minutes each night to sit down and talk about how you feel, your partner thought, well, emotional connection might mean that I thought about them, that I bring them a treat, that we sit down and we have the cupcake together. And so they thought they were being successful for you, but they weren't. And it was because it wasn't clear enough for them. I'm just thinking about how one person can can think, oh, I, I spent 20 minutes out of my day to go and get the freaking cupcake. When really the other person wanted 20 minutes of attention and presence. Yes. And so then the conversation, if the needs weren't as clear the conversation starts to become adversarial instead. And it starts to become about, well, I was doing what I thought you needed, and now you're criticizing me. And the other person is saying, well, what's wrong with you that you would think that equals emotional connection? Right. You should know what I wanted. You should know that that does not mean emotional connection. Um, And so it creates some conflict, I'm just thinking about what happens when you're not clear about your needs, then you also can sort of become resentful at your partner Mm. for not meeting those needs, even though you've made a request for them to be met, but they're not very clear. They're kind of vague. I guess I'm just curious, like, how can we get more clarity around our needs? Yeah, so that is really a hard thing to do as well because many of us believe that our definition of things is the same as everybody else's definition. Oh, wow. Right? So we kind of live in the world describing things with certain words and we think other people know what we mean. Yeah. And they almost never do. (laughs) We all have such different definitions, experiences of what certain symbols mean, right? And 
But we walk around saying, well, the other person should know what I meant by love. The other person should know what I meant when I said I needed support. And they often don't because they have their own idea of what it looks like to love or to support or to be connected. Um, And so a really important second step, once you define or which you define to yourself what your needs are, is, but how can I dumb this down even further into an explanation of what that means to me? Mm. One of the things that I find myself saying the most with my clients is, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. And, and oftentimes what they meant was not what I thought they meant. Yes. All, very. I mean, nine out of 10 times, I'm often like, oh, yeah, we have a very def- different understanding of that and a different definition of that. Yeah. Somebody today asked me, what do you mean by relationship? And I had to, uh, oh, okay. I thought that one was pretty obvious. And I had to go back <laughs> and and really think about what did I mean in this context by relationship. Mm-hmm. And I could see where, you know, some person might ask for one thing and the other person hears a completely different thing. Yes, all the time. I mean, even think about other things like I, I really need to live in a clean house, right? To me, the definition of clean might be very different than what it is for you, Sean. That's a great example. My house is incredibly tidy. But I wouldn't call it clean. As in like I I'll just do a little self-disclosure. I mean, I like sweep and I vacuum and stuff. I haven't mopped my floor since I've moved in. <laughs> and I've lived here for three years. Some people might find that completely disgusting, but I can't actually see that the floor is dirty. And I don't walk around with my shoes on. So it's like, you know, it's not dirty. But somebody else might might think, my God, how could you possibly live in an apartment where the floors haven't been clean in three years? Right. And imagine, let's say that we were in a relationship and I, you know, sat down and we had a heart to heart and I said, it's just, it's really been upsetting and stressful to me because I, my experience has been that the house has been kind of messy. And you say to me, well, babe, I'll do anything. What do you need me to do so you feel more comfortable? And I say, I just want a clean house. And you agree. And I, and I look around and I go, well, well I, actually I might look around and be like, babe, the house is clean. Yeah, you might say the house I, the house is clean, and then we get in an argument. Or you might say, "Okay, I'll work on it," but you don't realize that having a mopped floor is my experience of clean. And so three weeks go by, and I say, "You you don't care about me, right, Sean?" And you say, "I do care about you." Like, what are you talking about? And I say, "You haven't taken out a mop yet," but we both thought we were talking about clean. But we were talking about a totally different thing. I don't even have a mop to take out. <laughs> I'm hoping. Right. I'm, I'm actually planning, by the way, everybody, I'm planning on mopping my floors on Saturday because I'm leaving for a trip and I want to do it before I leave. So I'm going to go and borrow my neighbors. That is, that is an excellent idea. That seems, I mean, if I'm only going to use it once every three years, there's no point in buying one, you know? You just borrow it. You don't need to spend $4 on a mop. Well, it's like, it's <laughs> less about the $4, but it's like, there's the mop, there's the bucket. Where do you store it? I live in a small studio in Montreal. There's all this other stuff that comes in, yeah. which, you know, I guess this is all connected, right? For me, you know, I got to buy it. I got to store it. I live in a small apartment. There's no room for it. There are reasons. Not aesthetically pleasing. It's, it's ugly to look at. It's not aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. 
it doesn't make sense for me where they might make the most sense in, in the world to somebody else. So what we're talking about is that like, we don't, for the most part, have shared meaning in the language that we use. Yes, we often have very different meaning. And we have different emotional experiences connected with that meaning as well. And something that's really interesting when people explore their needs is to think, where is this coming from? Because because often it comes from either wanting to continue some sort of experience you had in your early life or wanting to discontinue some sort of experience you had in your early life. Mm. And so if anybody's listening and you find yourself having a difficult time getting your partner to understand why you need something, start thinking about that. Reflect on, you know, what am I trying to continue So perhaps using this example of a clean house, maybe you grew up in a very clean house and it felt good to you. It was comforting. It felt like home. And so you're trying to continue that. Or you grew up in a very chaotic, dirty house and you want to discontinue that because it felt so bad to go home. Sometimes our partners or other people in our lives can hear our needs more when they understand that it comes from that place. I love this. Yeah, and it, it opens up a different type of conversation where instead of saying you're failing me because you don't clean in the same way I do because you don't have a mop, you're saying, actually, you know, Sean, this has nothing to do with you. When I was growing up, it was so special to go into my mom's house. It was so organized. I could go lay on the couch like... Everything was where it was supposed to be. I felt safe. And I just want to feel that again. And when you share that, really, people are more willing to offer you what you need. Sure. For the most part, your loved ones want to respond or meet your needs, especially if they know that it's coming from a place that that it's not personal. It's not that well, it's personal to the person who has the needs, not personal to the person who's not meeting the needs. So it's not it, it's not about the fact that you don't mop or that I I don't mop my floor. It's more about the fact that you know the person grew up in a house that was really messy and they don't really want that experience anymore. Like they didn't feel safe, they didn't feel clean, they didn't feel loved, they didn't feel respected and taken care of. And to them, associating a clean house means being loved and respected. Absolutely. And there's this part of like, this dream happened before I met you. You know, before I even met you, I always dreamed I would have a tidy house. And that's really important to me to be able to have that and really creating a relationship where we're honoring each other's dreams that are within those needs. So what if I just say, yeah, well, you know what? That's not important to me. Yeah. Well, that happens sometimes, right? And a lot of times when you talk about it with a partner who really is able to be connected with you, that won't happen. But with people who are more likely to struggle with um, going to kind of like that intimate place of connecting our, our wounds and our dreams and all of that, maybe they will respond by dismissing it or by defending themselves. And You know, are you able to, again, what is your need in their response? You know, that would be my question. Like somebody dismisses you. What did you actually want from them? You know, what did you need? And what do you think, Sean? Like if 
if I dismissed you like that and said, it's not important to me, what did you actually need from me? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, did, did I need, it's confusing because I'm the one without the mop. Um, <laughs> so if I dismiss you, let's say you say it's really important for me to grow up in a house where I don't have to mop because my parents made us do chores all the time and it was a pain and I hated it. And mopping was the worst. And mopping was the worst and I didn't get to play with my friends. And it, it was all that mattered in my house was just keeping things straight all the time. And I say, well, I don't care about that. You need to keep the house clean. Hmm. Well, then you just sound like my mom. Mm. What did you think you actually need from me? Because you don't want me to sound like your mom, but what do you want? Probably just for you to understand where I'm coming from. I don't actually probably don't even necessarily need you to, to let me not mop, but I'd love for you to just understand where I'm coming from. Exactly. And so even in this micro part of the conversation, it is, again, being able to re-express the need. You know, when I just experienced this dismissiveness that just happened, um, I just felt so shut down. And I really need for you to be able to hear my experience. Yeah. I don't need you to agree. I just need you to hear it. Nice NVC. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Nonviolent <laughs> communication, by the way, for those people who aren't familiar with it. Yes. Um, when you did this, I felt this. It affected my ability to, and I'd like to request that you, bas mm -hmm. basically. Yes, exactly. And Gottman calls it gentle startup, which is, I noticed X, you know, I noticed that you kind of shut me down there and it makes me feel. Hmm. And what I need is, and then saying the positive need, again, what I need is for you to hear me instead of what I need is for you to stop dismissing me. Yeah. So what do we do when we basically are sort of at a standstill where we've effectively asked for a need, right? Like, let's say it's about um, being more emotionally available. That's a tough one, actually. Being more emotionally present. Yeah. By way of spending, you know, a couple hours each week. Uh, just connecting about what's going on in our lives and talking about our emotions. Mm -hmm. So what if we've made that request and the person just says, you know what, babe, I, I, I'm not really comfortable with that. Mm. I don't really have that in me. That's not, the kind of, that's not the kind of person I am. So you've done both of the first steps, right? You've figured out the need and then you've been clear about how they could be successful. And then they say, eh, no, sorry, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but in a more loving way. Sure. So this isn't like a, this isn't a super dismissive response, but like, I love you, but I don't, I really don't know that I can do that for you. I'm not that right? kind of person. I just, I didn't grow up in a house where that was important and I never saw it growing up. I mean, this is a very loving response. <laughs> yeah. So you have a partner. We're kind of imagining that it's a partner that you know loves you. Yeah. Yeah. And so they say, I just don't think I'm ever going to be the type of person that knows to mop the house or thinks about it. And I think at this point, what's really important is that you're also exploring their need. So we need to know what they need mm. um, and helping, you know, your partner to get to that point too. So being able to say, okay, so if you're not able to do this, like talk to me about that. 
Like what, when it comes to cleaning the house, what do you think you need? We could assume that maybe this person says, I need time to relax, Mm. you know, or I need to know that enough is enough at a certain point and that we're not going to be so focused on tasks all the time. Mm. And so, and I just did a negative need again. We're not going to be focused on tasks. So actually you want them to say something like, I don't want to be focused on tasks because I want to rest or I need space just to chill and hang out. And then figuring out again, is this some sort of continuation or discontinuation dream underneath it? Why is that? You know, asking them lovingly, okay, where does that come from? Do you think there's usually a story, you know, I, I really always dreamed that once I grew up and got in a relationship with someone that we would have a lot of time just to relax and have fun. Mm. I really always hoped that I wouldn't be spending my Saturdays and Sundays scrubbing a house and dealing with the yard because all my dad ever wanted me to do was deal with the house. Mm. Being able to then say, okay, so there's something we both really dream of here. What are we going to do about that? Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And so really allowing each person to have, to validate the fact that both of their dreams, both of their experiences and their desires are valid. Mm. They, at this moment, are in conflict, right? But they're valid. Wow. So again, we've put the problem in like in front of us and we've, We've approached it with like a collaborative attitude. How are we gonna How are we gonna solve this this conundrum that we find ourselves in? Where I really value a super clean house, and you value spending more leisure time together, which is also beautiful because it means you want to spend fun time with me and not chore time with me. Yeah. And the on my side, the clean house means that I feel more comfortable and present, and I can then be more present to you. Yeah. So other than you mopping the floor or me living in a house that has an unmodded floor, what else can we do? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can hire a cleaner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have money for a cleaner. Okay, well, maybe I can spend, you know, another another hour and a half at work on Tuesdays and that will give me like, you know, there's a project that I can take take on that'll give us enough money to hire a cleaner every two weeks. Exactly. Exactly. Or, I mean, there's a million things that you could come up with. Have kids uh, so that eventually they're old enough and that we can make them mop the, f- the floor. Yeah. Maybe we spend a full Saturday together every other week, and then we spend a full Saturday every other week dealing with the house. Mm, half a Saturday. Half a Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Half a Saturday every other week. Actually, you know, 9 to 1, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., you can... You can clean a house. You can mm-hmm. you can do a lot of things in four hours if you actually like intentionally set set the time aside to do just that. Totally, totally. The whole house can be cleaned, and extra things can be done too. <laughs> yeah, the yard, all sorts of other stuff. Yes. So that this part of figuring out how to get your needs met is: Do you have a willingness to get them met, or do you feel willful? in the face of getting them met? And is it only going to go the way you thought and you're going to stay stubborn in that? Or are you willing to look at other ways to get the need met? When I asked you the question of 
or I, I gave you the example of the person that just says, well, you know what? I can't meet your need. Mm. And you asked me, we sort of talked about being dismissive like that. And what I was kind of getting towards is, you know, what, what do you do when you're met with a partner that's just not willing to, to meet your needs or understand where you're coming from and just can't do what you want them to do? Yeah, that is challenging. And so when we are met with somebody who's really being, I call it willful, so they're digging their heels in and they're not open to flexibility because in a relationship, there needs to be a lot of flexibility. But very often we get into conflicts with another person where they are not willing to be flexible. And then we feel that our only option is to be overly flexible or to also be willful and inflexible. And so oftentimes what actually happens is that people meet that resistance with more resistance. They drive, they, they get driven apart by it. They start having a wall between them. Or they meet that resistance by caving mm-hmm. and saying, fine, you know, we can have the house that you want. And obviously neither of those are going to create a very fulfilling relationship. Mm-hmm. And they're going to breed what you talked about earlier, which is resentment. And so what Unfortunately, you know, there aren't a ton of options about what to do. In those cases, there's three options of what to do. Oh, I like this is concrete. (laughs) I like this. One option is that you accept it. Mm. You say, I love this person for 90% of the things that they are flexible on, for 90% of the things they do in this relationship. And I'm going to take deep breaths every time I see that dirty floor. (laughs) And I'm going to mop it. And I'm truly going to come to a place of acceptance. And when I say that you accept it, that can really only be your choice if you fully accept it. You don't half accept it and bring it up every other fight. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. It can't be, okay, babe, you know what? I'm just going to deal with it. And then two days later, you are stomping around the kitchen because you don't actually accept it. You're like flinging dirty mop water all over the place. (laughs) And you're like huffing every time you have to clean the floor. Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, the other partner accepts that the floor needs to be clean and they mop it. And they're mopping it, but they're really angry about it the entire (laughs) time. Right? Yeah. Oh, I was going to hang out with John today, but I guess I'm going to be stuck mopping the fucking floor again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I guess I'll have no life now. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, so your one choice is that you truly accept it. And in our relationships, we should be accepting some things, right? I mean, there's no way you can live with another human being in an intimate way and not say, eh, that's not my favorite, but I kind of accept it. Do you have an example in your life? Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. You know, yeah, my husband, he steps over things on the steps. Oh, nice. Uh. <laughs> Instead of picking them up? Yes. Mm. So he... Um, Wait, what kind of things? So, I mean, I have an annoying habit too. I don't carry them all the way up the steps. I put them at the bottom until I'm going to make a trip. So That's your trip, not his trip. It needs to be his trip too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I'll find his shoes. I'll put them at the bottom of the steps. I'll find our son's laundry, put it at the bottom of the steps. My husband will go up and down those steps 35 times 
and not and just hop over the stuff. I mean, it could be a um, hazard where a he full could break, blockade. Yeah, like he's gonna break his neck one day because he'll step over six steps, like do a jump just to get away from the stuff. I love this. <laughs> just to get away from it. Yeah, this is a great example, by the way. Yeah, because it's kind of a silly example, but it drives, it used to drive me nuts. Yeah. It honestly doesn't anymore. Um, because I think I've talked about it 800 times in every which way nonviolent communication, gentle startup, compromise, and he still steps over stuff. And I decided, I, why am I even caring about this in the big picture? Like, I truly am going to accept it. And so some days stuff stays at the bottom of the steps. Some days I carry it all the way up. Some days I just don't even put it at the steps. I leave his shoes where they are. Mm. But I accept it. You can also throw them at him. That's another option. Some days I throw them at him. (laughs) (laughs) Some days I throw them away. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Which actually, that brings me to the next choice that you have, which is to try to get creative again. So to try something else. Mm. So your partner says, nope, that's not how I am. Maybe you decide, well, I can't accept it. We really still need to figure something out. So I'm going to try something different. Maybe I'll um, talk about it in a new way. Maybe I will come up with a solution on my own, and then I'll, I'll express it to them and see if they can deal with this. Maybe I'll just hire a housekeeper. You know, they don't want to be involved in that, but I'll hire it. I'll take on the extra shift, but I'll try something different to try to solve this problem. So that's another option. And there's often a million things you could think of, one of which is just leaving the shoes where they are instead of picking them up and putting them on the steps yeah, um, or throwing them at your partner. I mean, but that <laughs> might drive you crazy. I mean, the reason you're picking them up is because you don't want them there in the first place. Exactly. So then you have to accept the fact that your partner leaves shit around and you prefer for it to be in the place that it belongs. Right. So you can either go back to accepting it or perhaps... They start to notice it and they change. Um, Or you go into your third choice, which is, you know, you decide that the relationship can't work for you. Right. And those are really your only three choices. Accept it, find a different solution, or leave. Really? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that sounds about right. The, The middle one, find another solution, reminds me a little bit about this idea that you know, all your needs are valid, right? Your job is to find out what that need is and then to eventually ask for that need to be met. But also before you ask for it to be met, you can also find a variety of different ways for that need to be met that don't necessarily involve your partner. So one of the examples that I come up with often is uh, I need more physical touch in my life. Like, so basically my, the, the conversation might look like I need you to touch me more. And then underneath that is actually, I need more physical touch because I feel good when people touch me. Okay, so my partner could answer that need by, you know, being more physically affectionate. And if that, if my partner is willing to do that, great, need met. What if they're not? Okay, well, let's go back to the need. I need more physical touch. Okay, how can I receive physical touch that is still safe within the boundary of this, of this relationship? I can get a massage every week and get physical touch, I can start uh, doing acro yoga. Yeah. And there's a lot of physical touch in in acro yoga. If it's okay with my partner, I can go to a cuddle party that is like cuddle only platonic stuff. I can do jujitsu, which is also very physically contact heavy. Yes. So there's a variety of different ways that you can meet that need that don't actually involve the partner. 
Yes, exactly. I actually really like the example you brought up because that's a pretty common one in couples therapy is, you know, how do I get this need for touch met or for sex? Mm. Um, And this is one where people use those three choices that they have a lot where they say, I can, I I actually think I can accept this. You know, um, some people can. Accept, Accept what? You know, that we're not going to have a ton of physical touch in this relationship. Gosh, really? Yeah, some people can. You know, their relationship is about something else, <laughs> usually, in those scenarios. Um, but I have worked with people who say, I can accept that. But again, we're going to have to come up with other solutions for my need to be met. And there are so many. You mentioned many of them, right? And like, sometimes it even opens up to... And I usually tell people, be as creative as you want. It doesn't mean that these things will be accepted or that they'll actually work. But people really will list a lot of things. Like, I'll get a massage or maybe I'll go to um, a sex party or or whatever. And then talking to your partner about, like, which of these are possibilities for me getting this need met. Um, and the partner might say, no way in hell are you going to a sex party. You say, okay, what about me going and getting a massage? Um, but again, just being able to open up that there are other ways you might be able to get your needs met that can work within the relationship. And if you're confronted with you know, a partner that says, no way in hell can you go to a sex party, and nor am I willing to meet your need of more physical touch, well, then now you have more information. Now you can go, well, you know what? This need for me of more physical touch is actually non-negotiable. It's something that is really, really important to me. It's what I need to feel safe and connected. And if you're not willing to meet that need for me or give me the liberty that I require to get that need met on my own, well, I'm going to have to take care of myself. Absolutely. And that can often lead to option number three. Yes. And that's often what happens is option number three is number three on the list because it's usually the last option. Yeah. I don't want people to break up. I, I want them to try everything before they break up. Of course. And most people in their, you know, most people I think do in their really important relationships. And they usually actually go through the process of, I'll see if I can accept it. And then they say, oh, nope, I can't. Let me try creative ideas. And then they say, well, none of these ideas are landing with the other person. The other person isn't showing a willingness to work with me. And I don't know that I can stay in the relationship. And then the relationship often ends. I could also see where, you know, if you said, and we can kind of touch on this because there's a big difference between a boundary consequence and an ultimatum and and they sound very similar. Yeah. But, you know, if you give your partner the option, you know, you're creatively spitballing and you go, well, you know, we could also be consensually non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. whether you want that for yourself or not, if I need more physical touch, perhaps I can go on dates with people. And we will stay together and we will continue to love each other in the way that we do. Um, or another option is that you can give me the kind of touch that I want. Mm-hmm. And if neither of those options work, well, then I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of myself, which means that I might have to terminate this relationship. Absolutely. That's a, to me, that sounds like a boundary consequence and not an ultimatum. 
It's a boundary because it's an offering of choices that are both, you know, fair choices, right? An ultimatum is you need to touch me or else. Yeah. If you don't touch me, I'm out. I'm out. A boundary is this is what I need and I'm open to talking about how we can have that met. In a variety of different ways. In a variety of ways. And I have options. Perhaps you have ideas. Can we work together to kind of create this agreement within our relationship? Because you really don't want a relationship where someone has a core need that is not being met. I mean, you can't. It's not a relationship anymore. Um, And so if the other person says, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I can't actually do any of those things... They've made that choice. Uh, It's on them. It's their choice. It's their choice. And it might be a painful choice for them. It might be a painful choice for you. But you've offered them a choice. You've not created an ultimatum that's, you know, made them feel stuck. You know, an ultimatum would be if you don't start touching me, I'm going to stop paying our bills. Ew. Yeah, yuck. That's abusive kind of, right? And it's like there is no good choice there. I don't want to touch you. I also don't want to have our um, lights turned off. But when you're offering many choices that are fair and realistic and you can't work together, that's okay. And that's okay for the other person to say no too. Um, But then you have to take on that responsibility of I'm not getting my need met. So what should I do here? Compromise. Well, that, that was, that's one of you know, there's there's the accept, there's come up with creative solutions, and there's leave. There's also the first one. You know, we we, we did talk about you can compromise, yeah, to a point where your your needs aren't being met, and you're no longer really acting from a place of integrity, and no one really wants that either. Exactly, exactly. Where you're just agreeing to agree to avoid some feared scenario, and that isn't a good way to live either. Mm. I kind of wish we had started with this example rather than the f- clean floor example. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, the clean floor example will resonate with a lot of people too, because everyday relationships argue about that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. What's the most common need that isn't being met that you've seen in your practice? I, you know, I think that there is a lot of physical touch need that's not being met often for one person in the relationship. And then the other need is a need for emotional responsiveness. And that's usually paired. You know, there's usually a person who's saying, I need more touch. And there's another person saying, well, you'll get that touch once you start giving a fuck about me. Oh. Um, Yeah. And, you know, so that is usually a very paired need in a couple. Um, Generally speaking, you know, females will be saying the one um, in terms of I need more emotional connection from you. And men will be saying I need more physical. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> That's not how I saw that going at all. I'm sure. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times the the emotional connection need is very difficult for the other person to know how to be successful with that, right? It's a little vague, right? It's vague. So, um, you know, people will struggle with that and they'll say, again, like, I thought that I was sitting down and watching TV with you every night, 
what, what do you mean I'm not connecting with you? And all of a sudden, you know, the partner will say, well, it would mean a lot to me if you clean the dishes. Like, how is your partner supposed to know that cleaning the dishes is an emotional connecting thing for you and is also going to lead to sex? I mean, they're not going to know that unless you tell them. <laughs> I read that somewhere, though, by the way, doing the dishes leads to more sex. I don't know if it was like a Cosmo clickbait thing, but I read that. It somewhere. does. <laughs> it does, right? Yeah. So um, per- women have breaks. Like, they have things that kind of stop them from wanting to have sex. Are you talking about the dual, the dual control model of Yeah, arousal? exactly. Exactly. And um, Emily Nagoski talks a lot about that in her work. And it's really important, I think, for partners who are stuck in this dynamic to understand, which is often the need is I need to know that I am not burdened by anything. Um, so switching that into a positive need is I need our space to be clean. I need our... I need to know that our checklist has been finished. I need to know I'm supported in our tasks. And then I can give more to you physically. Mm. This allows the whatever partner has all those needs to to feel safe, to feel considered, and to relax into an arousing place. They don't have to think about as much either, right? Like they are relaxed and they're able to focus on their partner. And the house is clean. And the house is clean and they don't have to worry that the school tuition bill hasn't been paid. It's hard to get turned on when you're worried about stuff. It's hard to get turned on when you're worried about stuff. And it's hard to get turned on when you don't feel emotionally supported. And I think a huge thing for a partner to recognize is that sometimes doing chores takes away your partner's worries. And that is a form of emotional support. Well, that's also a show of solidarity. And it's a show of solidarity. Right, we're doing we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. Like I care about this space. You know, I, I um, love Susan Piver and her work in, in in her book, The Four Noble Truths of Love. She talks about things that you can do to be closer to your partner, and and even when you're angry at them. And one of them is to to keep a tidy space mm-hmm. because uh, oh, it's the container principle. That's right. If you drink tea out of a mason jar, it tastes a lot different than if you. That if you drink tea out of like an ancient ceramic Japanese teacup. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So the container affects what's inside the container. Absolutely. And so the, the, the environment in which the couple lives affects the couple and so if the the environment is well taken care of and it's tended to and it's generally clean and tidy and the bills are paid that affects and imbues with love the container the the things inside the container yes that container matters the container matters and you want you want your home and your container to be a place of of safety and if your home is a place where you're just worrying about what needs to get done it's not going to feel good to be there. And then that makes it harder to be able to fulfill those physical needs as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So there's the, there's the brakes. There's also the gas. Yeah. The, the gas or the accelerator. The accelerator. Which is, is fulfilling those needs, right? Recognizing that it's not silly that your partner needs help with the dishes in order to be more ready for sex. And really being able to recognize that that's a very valid thing and, and supporting that need and getting met. Hey, I sometimes need a clean kitchen before we can really get down to business. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. like after I've cooked a, a big meal, like there's just the kitchen's all, it's just easier for me to relax when I know that it's taken care of. 
Sure. And sometimes no. Depends. Sure. Sure. And everybody depends, right? It depends on the day. It depends on what else is going on in that container. (laughs) How many breaks are being... Like, what's pushing on the break? Yes. How many things are piling up? Mm. Um, And so all of that matters. And like you said earlier, our needs change from day to day. Um, And that's why it's so important to just be clear about them because people really don't know what you need unless you're saying it. They can't guess all of the time. You are 100% responsible for your happiness. Mm. That doesn't mean other people can't help you and influence your happiness, but you have to tell people what you need and that you are your biggest own advocate. Yes. Yes. And if you don't advocate for your needs, who will? And they, you know, if you're not advocating for your needs, if you're not saying how important your needs are, then how does anybody else know that they're important? Right. Yeah. One thing I want to touch on before we wrap this up is you mentioned this earlier. You said, can we talk? Hmm. And I think it's important to not ambush somebody with your needs. Yeah. And to maybe set an intention for a future conversation, such as, hey, tonight I'd love to sit down and talk about something. Don't worry. It's not a big deal, but it's important for us to talk about. Are you available for that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we all hate getting that text message that's like, hey, can you talk? <laughs> it's like, am I getting fired? Am I getting divorced? Like, what is happening? Yeah. So, yeah, letting people know, I think, a little bit about what you're going to talk about is important because then they can prepare. And choosing a safe time, you know, not when they first walk in the door and the dog is jumping on them and your toddler is crawling all over their legs and saying, I need to talk to you about your lateness. <laughs> but really being able to say, when we have some time this weekend, do you think we can sit down and talk? Do you tell them what we're talking about? I do. Uh, so what would that look like for you? You know, I, I've there's some things that have been challenging for me in the way that the house is being run. Can you use the touching example? Yeah. Um, you know, babe, there's some things I've been thinking about in terms of our intimacy and in terms of our physical connection. And do you think maybe this weekend we could sit down and talk? Oh, I love that. And really not making it a scary thing. Like, I think when we withhold what we want to talk about, it becomes scary. Sure. Then the other person's like, fuck, they're going to leave me or I don't know. Yeah. I did something wrong again. Yeah. And they're anxious coming into the conversation. But you're really making it okay. You know, I I just, I really want us to get to a good place with this. And there's some things I've been thinking. Can we talk at dinner tonight? Can mm. we talk this weekend? Well, I love that. Yeah, I think it's important to let people know that you want to connect and what you want to connect about. Mm, I agree. Are we missing anything? I mean, of course we could do this for hours, Yeah, I don't, I think the only other thing I would add is that it's so important to do this because if you don't, you create more and more and more distance. Right. And this, this ends up being like the entryway to affairs, towards, you know, divorce, towards spending more time at work than at home or more time with friends. And it's really because you start getting your needs met everywhere else Mm -hmm. because you haven't been able to negotiate them with your partner. So the art of figuring out how to negotiate those needs with your partner is really what 
kind of creates a home for the two of you Hmm. um, that feels safe. And that is where, you know, pieces of your life are the things that you need in your life are being met there instead of having to go all over the place to get them met um, without actually having a conversation about that. I think that's important to highlight is, of course, you can get your needs met elsewhere. Of course. And and you have to because one person cannot meet all of your needs. However, give your partner a chance to meet some of those needs by showing the courage to have that conversation. Right. And like, are you able to navigate like how much of you you are giving and taking from the outside world? And if you start to notice that you are giving a lot or taking a lot from everywhere else and your partner isn't giving you a lot or you're not giving them a lot, it's probably a sign that you need to renegotiate, you know, what is happening in terms of feeling like this other person is meeting your needs. It feels to me like a dance. It's totally a dance. That you are choosing to engage in for the length of the relationship. Yes. And that you're really holding this other person's hands and you're willing to move. To dance, you have to move. (laughs) Right. Um, You're not pushing up against a wall to do your dance. You are holding each other's hands and you're moving back and forth. And that means that sometimes it shifts and it's different and it's not always the same. And sometimes you might have wanted to go left, but you'll decide to go right. And all of that is all all okay. It's all a negotiation. Um, But it has to feel like it's both people being a part of that and both people are having their needs met. Um, in a way that feels fair. I love that. I love the dance. It sounds like in order for it to feel fair, you have to kind of swap leads. Mm. Yeah, I think that's true. Not one one person can't just lead all the time. Mm-hmm. Liz, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. I share lots of relationship tips there. It's my favorite thing to talk about. You can find me on my website at www.abetterlifetherapy.com. That is my practice in Philadelphia. And you can also find me through my membership program, which is called Love Lessons 365. The website's kind of difficult to remember, but if you type that into Google, it'll pop up. Or if you go to my Instagram. (laughs) They can go to the link in your bio. Make it easy on yourself and just go to the link in my bio on Instagram. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Liz listens. (laughs) Liz listens. Yes. And uh, what does love mean to you? Mm, I love that question. To me, love means having a willingness to negotiate life with someone in a way that honors both of you. And that to me is love. My God, that's a great one. Oh, thank you. Holy. (laughs) I mean, it's also very fitting to to this conversation. Isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was so nice to talk to you. Hey, Lovebird, thank you for spending this hour with Liz and me this week. 
If you want to know more about anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to the show notes. There's a ton of links in there for Gottman research stuff, for any of the books that we mentioned, and for all of Liz's work. And if you want to join the Healthy Communication Workshop Tools for All Relationships, do it. It's going to be freaking awesome. Go to lovedrive.com forward slash healthy communication to sign up. And also, if you're listening to this and the workshop has already started, cool. You can join at any point. The workshop will run for the month of April. There are three sessions, April 9, 16, and 23rd. And if you're listening to this in May, June, July, August, or in 2021, you can go to that link and download the workshop. It'll be ready. You'll be able to download the whole thing at once. Have a beautiful week. Mm -hmm.